I'm glad you guys are here today. We're, we're excited. We are very excited about our new series and the series that we uh, have embarked on. We've done uh, two weeks, and today is the third week of the series, um, just looking at wisdom in, in different areas of our lives. And um, today we are going to focus on wisdom in the area of um, relationships. And um, we're still going to be in the book of uh, Song of Songs, or Song of Solomon, in, in chapter 2. And we'll be reading from verses uh, 8 uh, on to chapter 3, verse, uh, through, verses, and through verse 5. So you can uh, follow along with us there. If you don't have a Bi- if you're new with us and you didn't bring a Bible, there should be a Bible underneath the chairs in front of you. And, um, and in the worship guide, there is a number that corresponds to the page where we'll be reading from. <clears throat> and if you don't have a Bible within, um, if you don't have a Bible underneath the chair in front of you, you can also follow along um, with a project, the projector up here behind me. Uh, you'll be able to read the scriptures uh, with us and also see the points for today. And those points will correspond to the study guide that you have in your worship guide, uh, which Eddie spoke about. So uh, you'll be able to follow along with us today. Uh, there through those methods. So we're in the book of Song of Solomon. Uh, We're looking at chapter 2, verses, again, verses 8 through 17 in chapter 2, and verses 1 through 5 in chapter 3. Specifically today, we're going to be looking at an area, um, the area of courtship, and uh, how courtship, uh, what courtship looks like in Scripture, and what God, through this book of wisdom in, in, in Song of Solomon, shows us what, uh, what the area of courtship or how a courtship should, should, should be, how it should be carried out, what are some healthy steps to take uh, within a courtship. So uh, we'll start looking at that today, and we'll just jump right in, and uh, let's, just, let's just open up in prayer, and we'll start reading the passage and, and jumping into the Word of God. So Father, we, first off, we just thank you, Lord, that we are here gathered today. Um, and Lord, I just pray that our hearts would be in a place where we could receive, uh, where we could learn. And Father, not only learn, but uh, as we learned a few weeks ago, uh, we receive the knowledge and we apply, uh, and it becomes wisdom in our lives. So Lord, that we could practice what we are learning today uh, in our relationships, uh, both as singles uh, and also as married people or married couples within this church. Lord, we just thank you for your word and thank you that uh, Father God, that you didn't place us on this earth to try to figure these things out, but you gave us your word to help us live these things out in a healthy way. Uh, we pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So again, we're, we're looking at, or we're going to be in chapter 2, verses 8 through uh, 17. Let's go ahead and jump right in. <clears throat> oh, I think I pulled up the wrong one here. Let me go back. Sorry about that. Bear with us. We are... Um, we're starting to, we're trying to learn to work this, this iPad up here so that we can um, lead you guys through the sermon uh, in, a, in a more efficient or easier way. Uh, so the last couple of weeks you've seen uh, Chad up here, he's, he was kind of fiddling with it, and you see myself, I'm kind of fiddling with it. Someone said in the first service, hey, next time you need to keep up with your fantasy football team, let me know, I'll do that for you. I said, I'm not doing fantasy football, but if the Cowboys were playing, that would be on a split screen on the iPad. So I'd be watching that. Just letting you know, so in the future, you won't be surprised if I jump up and say, touchdown! Um, It's going to happen, okay? So I just want to prepare you for that. It's going to happen. Forgive me in advance, and uh, we'll 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 have a great relationship, a working relationship together. All right, sound good? Sound like a plan? So let's go ahead and jump into the passage. Chapter 2, verse 8 says this. 
It says, The voice of my beloved, behold, he comes, leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, looking through the lattice. Now, I'm going to say something here. I, I prefer to use the word lattice because it sounds poetic, but uh, I was corrected in the first service. They said lattice. I said, okay, it's lattice. Okay, it's lattice. It doesn't sound as poetic, but we'll use lattice. So we're seeing here in the first several verses of this passage, we're seeing uh, that the setting is being set. The, the, the lady uh, here, Shulam, Shulamite, is set. She's, she's got a setting. She's singing this song. She's talking about uh, their courtship, and she's talking about what it looked like. So uh, what we see here, there's a new season. There's excitement in the air. Uh, she says that Solomon is like a young gazelle leaping and, and, and bounding over the hills to get to her, which, which is signifies the excitement of them coming together and being able to spend some time together. Let's keep reading in verse 10. It says, My beloved speaks and says to me, Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away, for behold, the winter is past. So again, the setting. The winter just passed, um, and, and when winter passes, we enter spring, which is the new season. Of, of, it's, it's a new season for a new year. Uh, we're seeing uh, there's all types of, of, of plants. A lot of, you know, nature is just beautiful during the spring. Uh, we get to see, smell, touch, taste uh, everything that spring has to offer. For, uh, you know, we, we, we'll eat the fruit, we'll see the flowers, we'll smell the fragrances of, of, of the lilies and the fields. And, 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 uh, and so spring is something that brings excitement and, uh, and it envelops everything. It, 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 in, um, it includes everything that we have, all of our senses and seeing, fe- uh, touching, tasting, and, and all that we do, and even hearing, as we'll see here. So in verse 12, uh, as we keep reading, it says, The flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree ripens its figs, and the vines are in blossom. Uh, they give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. So again, he's, the, 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 the setting is set. It's springtime. He's talking about the flowers. The turtle doves were, uh, they weren't native to that area, but they were migratory. They are migratory uh, birds. So uh, in the passing of spring, they would be migrating and they'd hear the turtle doves singing uh, in their area. So that's why he mentions that. So again, we're, we're seeing here that it, it just, it, it includes all that we have and uh, when we enter into a new season, and they're using this as an image to describe what it is like to be in a new relationship and experience the, the new relationship and the excitement and the emotions that go into a new relationship. Uh, verse 14, he says, Oh, my dove, in the cleft of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. All the women here said, wow, I wish my husband spoke to me like that. A couple of elbows underneath. and Come on. I tried uh, by, by reading this and studying it. It's just natural that you would go home. And I, I was talking today. My dove. My dove? Why are you calling me my dove? So, oh, my gosh. So, you know, I, I tried. didn't necessarily mean that it worked, but I tried. I was being poetic at home. And, um, yeah, it just didn't, didn't work, work out the way I thought it would. But, anyway— Moving forward. So we're, we're seeing that here, and we're seeing that image, and it's a new season, a new relationship, and new excitement. Now, I'm just going to pause here for a minute, because many times <clears throat> our, our nature, uh, our natural instinct is to, when we, in, when we come uh, into something new, something exciting, uh, 
we get caught up in the emotion of that excitement, and we forget that there's other things that we need to take care of. Um, and here, we're going to see that that's not the, the process that they're taking. See, many times in our relationships, maybe you experience this, you married couples experience this when you were courting. Um, maybe some of you young singles, young adults that are, that are courting uh, or beginning a relationship or a courtship that, uh, that is a mature one. I'm, I'm addressing mature relationships right now. So these, uh, these courtships or, or singles that, that are, that are in, beginning to experience these relationships, you're, you're seeing that there's an excitement, the emotions are going crazy, you want to spend time together, you want to enjoy one another, but understand that that's not all that there is to a relationship. And again, some of you married couples may have experienced that, that, that at the beginning, um, you know, one of the things I like to do to Daisy when, when we were courting, and uh, she was here in Laredo, I was in Dallas, so it was uh, one of those things that we were forced into communicating, into spending more time and talking with one another, and, uh, and we were forced to have a healthy relationship because we were in, long, we were in a long-distance um, relationship. So uh, one of the things I like to do is just sing to her. And, and she, she had certain songs, and she'd tell me, will you sing me this song? I said, absolutely. And I'd just start singing on the phone. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and then, you know, we'd talk late into the night, and sometimes I, I would kind of doze off. And then I'd wake up and notice I missed something. I'd just start singing to her, and it was all good. It was like she never even realized that, that I kind of fell asleep in the middle of the conversation. Don't tell her I said that. I won't say this will not be said in the third service. Um, so don't tell her I said that. But anyway, you know, they, they, you get caught up in that excitement. And many times what happens is that we, we fail, we fail to address issues that are important. In verse 15 here of this passage, we see that Shulamite gives importance to those problems. Let's go to verse 15. It says, it says, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards. For our vineyards are in blossom. Verse 16. My beloved is mine and I am his. He grazes among the lilies until the day breathes and the shadows flee. Turn, my beloved, be like a gazelle or a young stag on cleft mountains. And, and in verse 15, we see something that's really important, though. And that brings me to my first point of today. And that point is, I can experience a healthy relationship when I address issues that threaten the lo its longevity. I can experience a healthy, relationships, a healthy relationship when I address issues that threaten its longevity. You see, one of the things that's common is we get caught up in all of the fun, in all of the excitement, in all of the emotions, in let's go here, let's go there, let's have a picnic here, let's have a picnic there, uh, let's go for a walk in, in the field of, you know, in a field of flowers. We don't have that here in Laredo. It's like let's go have a walk in the midst of mesquite trees and... and uh, <laughs> And maybe we'll see a, a, a wild pig run through the, through the park. <laughs> uh, but, but you still have, you know, there's still that opportunity to be romantic. And, and it's exciting. But notice, notice something here in this song and in this story. Solomon is calling her out to have fun. Come enjoy our relationship. Come, in, come and enjoy this new season in our lives together. Uh, now, it seems to me that by following this passage, that Shulamite, before going out and having fun, she says, catch the foxes for us, for the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in bloom. 
she realized that their relationship was growing. She realized that there was excitement. The emotions were, were, were welling up inside of them for each other. Uh, they were in love. They wanted to spend time together. They wanted to do, uh, you know, they wanted to go for a nice walk in the breeze and, and enjoy the springtime and enjoy the beauty of nature in, in, in the presence of one another. And she wanted to do that. But before she did that, she said, catch the foxes for us which is important because this is an imagery of saying, hey, there are some issues and problems that we have, so I need you to address those first. Before we can continue to have fun, before I can continue to fall head over heels for you, before I continue to give myself to you as far as her emotions, as far as her heart and, and her thoughts, uh, she was saying before we continue to do that, there are some issues that need to be addressed. You see, the foxes... The foxes, what they do is they, they, they make tunnels and they dig holes and they dig tunnels within the vineyards and, and they're moving about the roots of the vineyard. And because they're moving about the roots of the vineyard and they're, 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 they're making these holes and these tunnels, what it does is it destroys the vineyards. From the roots, it destroys the vineyards. That's what the foxes do. So what Shulamite is saying here to Solomon is that there's some issues that we need to address because if we don't address them, it's going to affect our relationship, and it could threaten to destroy our relationship. Uh, you know, and those are some big things that, that's one big uh, principle that we need to take from this sermon or from this message or from this passage in, in understanding that we need to address issues that are important to the health of our relationship. So just speaking to singles now, I'd say, you know, or I ask you how many of you have given away your innocence or your heart, and the, uh, in, you know, and, and you've done all of these things without seeing and understanding that this person is willing to communicate or address some of your issues. Uh, what are your communication habits in your relationship, uh, in this current relationship or in previous relationships? Are, are you willing to address? Are you willing to talk about uh, some of the topics that will be important as your relationship matures and goes into a relationship of marriage? Uh, are you willing to talk to each other about finances? Are you willing to talk to each other uh, about roles in the home? Are you willing to talk to each other about how your kids will be raised and what role you will play in parenting? Uh, are, have you thought about those issues? Or are you thinking that once you get married, now it's a time to bring those issues up? Um, have you addressed insecurities that you might have? You might be insecure in, in, in one way. He might be insecure in another way. And as we continue through this passage, we'll see some of that creep up in, in this relationship. So my question to you is, are you willing as singles to address those issues? Now, having said that, you might be willing to address those issues, but let me ask you this. Is the person you're interested in willing to address those issues as well? Or are they the type of people that dance around the questions and never really give a straightforward answer? They're never clear with the answer that you're looking for, or they're never clear in telling you what they expect, what they don't expect. Uh, they ne they're never clear in telling you uh, how they manage finances or, or what career they plan on taking or how they plan on raising kids, uh, because that's important. And I would say just by looking at this imagery and seeing that Shulamite wasn't willing to come out and play until Solomon was willing to address these issues, I'd say the same for you, uh, singles, uh, especially you young ladies. I'd say that 
I, I wouldn't continue to give your heart away to someone who's, uh, to a, a young man who's not willing to be responsible and address important issues in your life and that will affect the future of your marriage stability in your home. You see, many times we go into these relationships and we think, well, they'll change. Uh, and then uh, what we've seen as pastors is, is that it doesn't change. And who you marry ends up becoming the person you're with for the remainder of your life. And it only magnifies because you're with them every single day. So you've got to be willing, again, as singles, you've got to be willing to address those issues. But this isn't only for singles. This is also for married couples. You know, some of us have continued the, the, the horrible pattern of, of, of not communicating in our relationship, in, in our marriage. You know, you, you didn't know these things. This isn't something that you came uh, to understand until now, or you're, you're not coming to understand until now. Uh, but in your relationship before, you didn't communicate, you didn't talk. Uh, there was a lot of frustration built up, and there's probably a lot of frustration right now. But can I say something to you married couples? It's, it's never too late to begin to address the foxes. It's never too late to catch the foxes. It's never too late to address the issues and the problem. Now, because it's, there are issues that have been built up for so long, uh, it will hurt at the beginning of trying to get it all out and be open and communicate with one another, but it's never too late to do so. Never too late. So I would encourage you to, to be a married couple and, 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 and be in a relationship with your husband and wife or wife and husband where you are willing to communicate with these things. There's you know, the little frustrations that you might have is, is things over finances. Uh, we know that uh, the three main reasons people get divorced uh, is communication, lack of communication, money, and sex. And the first, the first one is the most important because if, you, if we could learn to communicate, then we would talk about the other two issues and know where our spouse is and what our spouse thinks. I can speak for men many times, People will ask and say, well, how's, how's your marriage? How are things going? Well, she hasn't said nothing, so I guess everything's all right, huh? <laughs> I'm not going to ask because if I ask, and I, <laughs> there's stuff that i got to address. You know, and we're afraid to address those. But listen, that's not what Scripture wants us to do. As a matter of fact, it seems to me that Shulamite wants Solomon to take the initiative in addressing the issues. She says, why don't you catch the foxes? You catch the foxes. So as, as, as the men of the household and as the leaders of the household and head of the household, uh, it's our responsibility to know where we are in our relationship and not knowing or not having an idea, it's, it's not an excuse. We should be willing to sit down and have those conversations with them. You know, and, and for going back to the singles, some of the things that, or one of the things that we do here, uh, here at Grace is we have what we call premarital counseling. And sometimes people don't want to go through that, to be honest with you. Uh, they'll say, hey, we want to get married. Can we get married? Sure. Uh, uh, well, the first thing you need to do is fill out this packet. We need to get you through premarital, premarital counseling. How long is that? Uh, well, it's, 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 it's going to be about three months. Three months? I set my date for next month. And, 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 and we don't want to do these things or we don't want to go through it for whatever reason. But the reason we do this is because we understand that there's areas and lines of communication that need to be open before you say, I do. So before you say, I do, 
You've got to think through your communication. Uh, how do you resolve conflict? That's one of the big issues that, that, will, that, that will be looked at in premarital counseling. Styles and habit, financial management, leisure, uh, leisure and activities, uh, you know, conversations about uh, what, what are expectations in, in the marriage for, uh, within the sexual relationship, uh, family, roles in the household, uh, and, and spiritual questions and of how are you going to raise your kids? How, you know, what church are you guys going to attend? Or how, how do you feel about the gospel? What do you think about the gospel? Are you on the same page in regards to uh, the gospel, in regards to God? But those are all questions that are addressed in premarital counseling that are important so that you're thinking about them before you get married so that when you do get married, those aren't issues that could destroy your marriage. Uh, for you married couples, we have what we call re-engage. It's a small, it's, it's, a, it's a large group, small, it's a small group in a large group format here at the church. Uh, and this semester it's full, but next semester it's, it, I'm sure though there's going to be more availability within this, within this small group, within this ministry. And for me and, and Daisy, I can say that it's been amazing just, just looking at it. And we were people that would think that we're pretty good at communicating. Uh, in, in regards to our relationship. Again, we spent so much time apart from each other that our relationship was pretty much built on our communication over the phone and, and talking through, through issues and talking through the future. That's how we would spend a lot of our time. Uh, so uh, for us, re-engage has been amazing. It's, it's shown us that even though we think we communicate well, there's still areas that we need to communicate better at. You know, other things that we have is there's a book called Love and Respect that's amazing. There's a marriage conferences that you can go to, and I believe in November here at the church, we're also going to be hosting a marriage retreat, a marriage conference retreat uh, here local. So those are all things that we could do in order to try to uh, have open communication and addressing issues in our relationships and hopefully helping us be stronger in those areas. So we see that Shulamite isn't willing to come out and play until uh, Solomon addresses some of the issues in their relationship. And let's keep reading there um, in verse, verses 16 through 17. It says this, it says, My beloved is mine and I am his. He grazes among the lilies until the, the day breathes and the shadows flee. Turn, my beloved, be like a gazelle or a young stag on cleft mountains. I mean, basically what, what we're seeing here is she's seeing the type of man that Solomon is. She, she recognizes his character as a shepherd taking care of the issues of Israel. Uh, but what she seems to be saying is just as she saw him leaping over the mountains to get to her, uh, she would like Solomon to also, at the end of the workday, come home and be excited to spend time with her uh, at the end of the afternoon. Uh, so that's what we're seeing there. Let's go ahead and go to chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1 says this, says, um, On my bed by night, I sought him whom I love, whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. I will rise now and go about the city in the streets and in the squares. I will seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. I sought him, but found him not. So the scene changed. A little while ago, we were talking about, or in the previous passage, we were talking about the newness of the relationship, the excitement, the emotions, everything that comes along with that, but also addressing the issues. And we see that she told Solomon to take, take out the, or to catch the foxes. There were some issues that needed to be addressed. And this passage here could be giving us a glimpse at one of those issues. We see in verse 1, it says, On my bed by night. First off, this is not a one-time dream or a one-time nightmare. This is something that because of that phrase, on my bed by night, it's referring to this being a, a, 
a night after night process. She's, she's having recurring dreams and recurring nightmares. And what do we see here? We see that she's looking for him and he's not there. She has to go out and try to find him and he's not there. So she's dealing with some insecurities. And the insecurity that she's dealing with here seems to be the fact that she grew up on a farm. She's not used to being uh, in the royal family. She's not used to being married to a king. And her insecurity seems to be, will I be just another subject in your kingdom? Or will I have an exclusive relationship with you or with Solomon? This is probably something that she wrestled with. Do I want to enter into this marriage relationship knowing the type of man he is and the things that he has to do? So she's having this recurring nightmare and, and uh, he's not there. He's nowhere to be found. Verse 3, the watchman found me as they went about in the city. Have you seen him who my son, my soul loves, she asked. Scarcely had I passed him when I found him whom my soul loves. I held him and would not let him go until I had brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her who conceived me. Into the chamber of her who conceived me. So she has this insecurity. She has this need. And it's a healthy need. We all have it. And that need is that we want to know that we are in a secure relationship an exclusive relationship with someone. Not only is it, do we want it to be exclusive, but we want to have their commitment in this relationship. Uh, and we want that, we want to be sure of that. We want to have that security that my, my wife is my wife. Uh, and for you women, that my husband is my husband. And this is our relationship. This is our marriage. This is exclusive. And I'm secure that. So we all have that healthy need. But, if we can, once you continue reading the passage, you see what she does. They're not married yet, but she says, I grabbed him whom my soul loves, and I didn't let go. I took him to my mother's house, which was a place of security for her. And what does she proceed to do then? She says, at the end of verse 4, she says, and into the chamber of her who conceived me. So she took him not only into the house to be secure, to say, I have you forever, but it seems to be uh, because of the imagery of this passage, the chamber, uh, the mother or, parent or father's, mother and father's chamber was the most intimate room in the house. So for her to be wanting to take him into the most intimate room of the house after having secured him, I don't want to let you go. I don't want to lose you. Uh, it seems that she's willing to, uh, to, to, to get involved with him in an improper way. So my next point is this, is a proper need met by an improper behavior always leads to great pains and frustrations in life. A proper need met by an improper behavior always leads to great pains and frustrations in life. So she was willing to say, in order to secure commitment from you in this exclusive relationship, I'm willing to give you uh, the physical act of sex so that I can, so that I'll know and secure that commitment from you. Does that sound familiar? See, nowadays, this is prevalent even in our lives and in the lives of our teenagers and our students, of our young people. We, we see especially with the young girls, we see the insecurity uh, of relationships that leads them to try to uh, provide for a healthy need by going about it in an improper behavior. But that's not just for, for the young girls and the, and the women. That's also for the guys. 
we do the same thing. Some of us, uh, we, we try to secure something. We try to secure that exclusive relationship with girls. And, and uh, in the same way, we, we go about it the wrong way. We, uh, we would prefer to act in an improper way by having sex before marriage than to wait and go following the, the, the structure of this passage that they were willing to have fun yet address issues. And she saw the type of man he was, so she was willing to marry him. Uh, we skip all of that. And we say, we're excited, we want this, and because I'm so excited in this relationship and I like him so much, I don't want to lose him, so I'm willing to give him what I shouldn't give him until we're married. And that always causes great pains and frustrations. You know, and some of you uh, young men or men, what do we try to do? How do we try to provide that and secure that? We try to purchase expensive presents and gifts and try to give them things that we really can't afford in order for them to know or have a, for us to have a sense of security that they believe will provide for them so uh, they'll want to be with us. I want to show them how extravagant I am, how much I love them, how much I'll give them. And we go about securing these things in an improper way. And we shouldn't do that. And in married couples, again, we're talking about communication. We're talking about commitment. And, and again, we go back to the point that if you didn't have communication before you were married, and that translates into your marriage, and now you have no communication, open communication with your spouse, what begins to happen? You know that 55% of all divorces are because of infidelity. That's what stats show. Statistics show that 55% of all divorces are because of infidelity. And most of those affairs didn't begin with physical affairs. They began with emotional affairs, where because you can't communicate with your spouse, you have to find someone of the opposite sex to get that affirmation, to get someone to hear you, to understand you, to love you for who you are, and, and someone to cry on. Because, but because you can't do that at home, you're doing it with someone else. And many times, that type of behavior, which is imp it's not appropriate, that type of behavior then leads to the physical affairs and, 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 and the infidelity and the divorce. But he begins with communication. And if we could just learn to communicate with one another, then we wouldn't take those steps. We wouldn't go about it in an improper way. And we can secure our marriages by learning to communicate with one another. See, wives, your husbands need someone to respect them, someone to affirm them as a man, and, and you're that person. And husbands, as we see in, Ephes in Ephesians, your wives need someone to love them as Christ has loved the church to hear them out, to be there, to listen to them, to, 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 to cry with them if, that, if they need that. Someone there that, that says, no matter what we're going through, I'm sticking through, I'm sticking this thing out to the end and I'm not going to throw in the towel. But it's about doing that in a proper way and not doing it in an improper way that then leads to great pains and frustrations in life. Because anytime we choose to do that, that's what that leads to. Someone here is saying, well, I don't necessarily see that in regards to the chambers and her willing to do that. Well, just, just let's read the next verse. And this, right after her dream, this is her warning to the young ladies of Jerusalem. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the doles of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. It's taking us through that, that passage. She's 
that dream. It seems she was willing to do that to secure that commitment. And then she wakes up, whoa, wait a minute, nope. That's not right. And she puts in this refrain and this warning not to stir, uh, awaken or stir love until it pleases. And that brings me to my last point for today. I will find satisfaction in my sexual relationship when I stir up sexual love at the proper time. I will find satisfaction in my sexual relationship when I stir up sexual love at the proper time. You see, this, this passage is giving us just a great process to follow. It doesn't mean, church, that if you do steps one, two, and three, everything's going to be perfect. No. But just listen to the things she's looking for. She's looking for someone willing, that's willing to address problems and issues, that's not willing to sweep them under the rug, okay? Uh, she's looking for someone with character. She's looking for a commitment of exclusive, uh, to, be, to be in an exclusive relationship. And because she finds all those things, now she's willing to be with Solomon as a husband. But it wasn't until those things were met that she was willing to do that, right? But that's not typically the steps that we take nowadays, and that's not what the world teaches us, and, and, and that's not what we see in pop culture. We see it completely different. Uh, his character, who cares? If he's willing to address issues, who's, who cares? I'm happy, right? That's like our new, our new thing. Is if they're happy, leave it alone. It's love. Love always wins. They're happy, leave it alone. But listen, happiness can, can, can last for a moment. And all of us who are married know that there are times in our marriage that it, things don't seem happy. But they seem tough. They seem hard. And unless we're with someone who shows character, someone who's willing to address issues, and someone who's committed to us in this relationship, it's not going to matter. Because that's all going to go downhill in a broken relationship, in a broken marriage. See, so they were willing to enjoy one another, but also address the issues. And they were willing to satisfy the needs in a, in a proper way, not in an improper way. And that's just, that's so important for us to see and understand as a church and as believers. And as you're going through that process, you say, well, why, why should I, why should I follow this? Why, why? Is it so important in the church that, that I obey Scripture? Why is it so important that I do everything in Scripture the way it's, it's laid out for us, the way God says? Well, let me, say, let, me, let me tell you this. The greatest reward you and I will ever reap is because someone came to this earth and did everything according to the Scriptures that were laid out before him. And that was Jesus Christ. You see— Jesus was willing to risk his exclusive relationship with the Father and experience a moment of insecurity so that we wouldn't have to face an eternity apart from the Father. In this relationship of Christ and his bride, Christ was willing to give a commitment. Christ was willing to go until the end. He was willing to endure. He was willing to suffer for you and for me and for his bride that is the church. Christ shows the character in Scripture, calls him the great shepherd. As a matter of fact, in the, that famous passage of security, of, of salvation, Jesus says, I am the shepherd and my sheep know my voice. That's his character. He cares for us. He's, he, he watches over us. He gives for us. He does for us. 
And we saw that on the cross, giving his life, giving himself up, paying the debt that you and I should have paid so that we could have forgiveness and we can experience eternity with God and not apart from God. You see, he didn't rush the process. Many times we want to rush the process. We, we want to go from step one to step 20 and, 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 and experience the bliss and the excitement of all that, that, that the emotions and the, the, the sexual relationship can offer. But we're not willing to do it in, a, in, the, in, the, in the order that God has called us to live it out in. And he did it by the prophecies and the scriptures that were laid out that said that this is needed to happen. This sacrifice needed to take place. What Jesus didn't cut a corner anywhere. He fulfilled it all until the end on the cross and even after when he resurrected. And he endured it till the end. And because of that, you and I will reap this reward for eternity. So if he was willing to do it for his bride, which we are a part of, then we should be willing to take this and put it to our lives and say, God, I want to live in the healthy relationship you've called me to live in. I mean, can you imagine what your relationship would look like if you would act according to the scriptures? I mean, singles, think about it. How many broken hearts can you avoid? How many hearts do we have that we break all the time? I mean, how many broken hearts can you avoid in life? If you would just see this and say, wait, wait, whoa, 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 before we continue having fun and growing in this emotional stuff, are you willing to address these issues? Yes or no? And if the person says no, you pull the plug, say, sorry, moving on. But if they say yes, and you sit down and you have those conversations and you do those things, and so that your, your time of, of courtship isn't just uh, the excitement that's building up to your marriage, but it's the excitement of knowing that it's two people working on their, themselves, addressing issues in their own lives so that they can serve each other in a much better way when they're married. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. And what about for married couples? How would this look like? Now just pause there. I mean, just think about what this would look like. How would your, how much healthier could our marriages be if we could just communicate, stay committed to one another, not throw in the towel, take a page out of the book of Christ and know that he didn't throw in the towel, he didn't give up, he didn't, he didn't take any shortcuts, but he did it all until the end. That we would be committed to endure until the end like we did the day we said, I do, until death do us part. That our kids would see a husband and wife that's willing to love, that's willing to communicate, that's willing to work through issues, not sweeping them under the rug, but saying, hey, you know what? Here's a fox. Let's take care of that fox. Let's go catch that, and let's be sure that that's not going to affect the longevity of our family. That our kids would grow up to say, I want to be in a marriage just like mom and dad have. They are the example of communication. They are the example of the love of God. They are the example of what a married couple should be and the example that I've read about in scriptures, that they would know that it is possible to have a healthy marriage and it doesn't have to be unhealthy all the time. That they would know that it is possible to see their marriage to the end and not give up in divorce and causing more pain and hurt down the line. That's not just for the husband and wife, but for the kids as well. But that they would see that there is health at home. And because of that health, now they want to live in healthy relationships. And now those cycles that you carried over into your relationship from the past and the broken past and the broken families, now that cycle isn't continuing in your home, but you're starting a new cycle. And it's a cycle that says that we will live 
according to the word of God, living in the health that is a biblical marriage, understanding that things aren't always gonna be perfect and that's okay because that's true. Things aren't always perfect. It's not always springtime. The winters do come. But because of our commitment and our willingness to communicate and our willingness to apply these things to our lives, we can make it through that winter and enter into the next spring of our lives. That would be amazing. And can you imagine a church that could be that type of an example for our community? That when the community would look on us, they'd see that we're willing to communicate, that, that we're committed to Christ, we're committed to his word, we're committed to this life. We're committed to the cross because without it, we wouldn't have any hope. And that within us, there is no division, but within us, there's pure unity. As Christ in his prayer said to the Father that they would be known through their unity and love for one another. That the community would see us as a body of Christ working and moving together to be a louder voice for his gospel and that we would be an image of what a healthy marriage should be, of what a marriage should be within our community and our culture. And they would see that it would be all through the word of God. How many marriages could be healed? How many relationships could be restored? How many families could be reconciled because of years of no communication, of miscommunication, no commitment or lack of commitment, whatever it may be. When we as a church act upon the word of God, a difference can be made in our community and in the lives of even those that surround us because we're a picture of what it should be. Let us pray. Father, it is so amazing that we could come back to your word and see these amazing truths. Lord, I thank you that I don't have to figure it out, but it's already in scripture for me to see and to live and to experience in my life. And Father, that is my prayer today, that moving forward, that Father, your Holy Spirit could quicken us to live in relationships of communication, of commitment, of, of going about this process in a healthy way, in a way that we see here in, in, in your scriptures. And Father, we just thank you. You've called us to live in healthy marriages. You've called us to live in healthy relationships. And Lord, that that's what your desire is for us. Father, I just pray that you would help us act on it and live it out. I pray this thing in these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.